Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome indeed. Welcome, welcome. So, just wanted to go over, if you're new around here, what we do. Um, what we do is we look at Metacritic's Top 100 list, as is in the name, and we basically work through the list of games and what Metacritic does is it kind of averages out the scores based on what the critics scored and it will award certain critics more weight. So we're looking at those scores and we're saying whether or not the game deserves its score. So today is a is a very, 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 very big game. Um, so we played Persona 5 Royal. And how did you find it, just briefly? Yeah, I, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I kind of had periods of falling off and then getting back on the horse with it, but I really liked it. You you said when we played um I think it was Red yeah, it was Red Dead Redemption two that um you felt that you could kind of sum that part of your life up as before Red Dead Two and after Red Dead Two. And I feel very very similar um with Persona Five Royal. It's taken quite a long time to play through it and it feels like it's been a um a big journey to be fair but I, re- I really enjoyed this game like a lot probably the most i've enjoyed a game so far on this podcast so yeah it was very good what about you yeah it kind of feels like when you're playing persona 5 royal that you're in a relationship with persona 5 royal and for that time that you're playing it it's kind of got its claws in you mm. and it's all you're really thinking about and that's what i had i mean I got through it in, I don't know if it was a week and a half or two weeks. I was uh, I was on leave at the time and I was just playing it constantly. And it was very much consuming my headspace. <laughs> so that all I was thinking about was Persona 5 Royal. I remember we did, we did our first podcast of the year whilst I was playing it. And I remember thinking during that podcast, I want to go away and play <laughs> Persona 5 Royal. So yeah, I completely understand what you're saying there. Yeah, it was um it, it was I mean, you you completed in a week and a half, two weeks or however long it was. And I I put a fair amount of hours into it to begin with, but I it it took me about 2 months to complete it, probably a bit longer. Um and I I, I took the advice of the loading screen that comes up in the bottom right-hand corner of the game when you're playing it take your time take your time yeah um and still didn't manage to experience everything and missed quite a lot still um to the point where i I like this game so much that i've i completed it last week and immediately restarted a new game plus i know that you're a little bit unsure as to how long i'll stay on that um (laughs) how long i'll stay on that horse and if i'll drop off but as of right now I'm, i'm in my second playthrough and i'm really really enjoying it still Good stuff, good stuff. So, um, did you have any prior history with Persona 5 Royal? I did not, no. I didn't know anything about Persona at all before this, other than the fact that it's quite a um, an out there 
Japanese RPG, but didn't know anything about it other than the fact that a lot of the Persona games are based in a high school and there's like a calendar system. But other than that, nothing at all. How about you? I'd actually got, as you know, the original Persona 5 and I'd started playing. I'd made it all the way through Kamoshida's Palace and then there's there's a big stretch of time between that and you go Might for a meal way. and you're kind of waiting for the next... Yeah, th- there's this period where you're waiting for the next... We'll call them a villain to show up and not much is really happening and I don't think I was so hooked by that point in my original playthrough um, that I really I don't know I don't know if I'd just say I wasn't too bothered by it and I just fell off um, I think it's one of those games that you have to keep playing otherwise you take any extended break from it it's really hard to get back into to remember what's going on with the story or how uh, the strategy of the battles work so um, I think I fell off and I just didn't return um, I do own some of the other Persona games but um, actually I've not sat down to play them they're in my very 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 large to play pile catalogue yes very extensive back catalogue of uh, games that I need to play um, but uh, Persona is a spin-off of the Shin Megami Tensei series which is also very popular but actually I think Persona has surpassed Shin Megami Tensei in popularity um, now this is going to be a quick one probably which is uh, which version of the game did you play? Well, do, do, do you want to go over where this game sits on the list first? Of course I was consumed <laughs> by trying to introduce what the podcast was that I forgot to say where this game is on the list so these things happen we're only human they do happen indeed so at number 44 we have persona 5 royal and it was released in 2020 and it has a score of 95 so it's quite far up there in terms of our list yeah um yeah so what version of this game did you play i think i think there's only one version available at the moment isn't there i mean i, I played it on the ps4 pro um and I think that's the only way that you can play it. Am I right? Yeah, so you can play it on the PS4 or the PS4 Pro. And if you played the original Persona 5, your options were a bit more, well, marginally more expansive in that you could also play it on the PS3. I suppose you could also play it on a Vita via remote play. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't recommend it, though. I'd... Trying to use my Vita for a few games for this podcast recently has made me realise why it never really took off. <laughs> oh, you've probably insulted a lot of people that love their Vitas. I know there are some out there. Yeah, like there was just never enough support for it. Was there really from Sony, yeah. which is a shame because it could have been great, but alas, it's the only. Well, apart from the PS One, which, as we've mentioned a few times, I was an N sixty four boy. Mm. Um, it's the only Sony console since then well, handheld that I've not bought so yeah I, I certainly was not on board with it um, okay on to the plot <laughs> so I'm going to give you a challenge now and it's going to be challenging I'm sure now can you can you condense the around 80 to 100 hour plot of Persona 5 Royal 
into two minutes for us. That's your challenge. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, to Would any like listeners, to... Spo- spoilers ahead. We're going to probably spoil the whole thing here. Um, I'm going to set you a timer as well. So okay. you can begin in three, two, one. So you are a high school student that's kind of, you name your own protagonist. So for this podcast, we'll just call him by his alias in the metaverse, which is, his name's Joker. And you basically get sent away to another part of Japan for committing a crime of trying to save a woman from a drunken man's advances. You're basically, you're innocent of the crime. Um, She sold you out to kind of get an easy life from this other guy. So... You start this new school and on your first day you find this new app on your phone which takes you into something called the metaverse which is like an alternate reality and through the game we'll go into kind of the specifics of each area when we go through this this episode but you go into different um, palaces which are owned by people with distorted cognitions so people like the first bad guy you come up against um, a PE teacher at the school called Kamashida who uses his position in the school to uh, physically abuse sexually harass students uh, to increase his volleyball team standing in the community and as you go through the game you pick up more and more allies to join your team which is called the Phantom Thieves of Hearts and you've got you know a few guys in there, a few girls, a talking cat. Uh, standard. <laughs> standard for a Japanese RPG. And yeah, the, the game is basically you going into these different palaces of these people who need their cognitions changed and changing their hearts so that they confess to their crimes in the real world. And as you progress, um, you know, that there's, there's worse and worse people that you come up against from school gym teachers to gangsters to politicians... Uh, and a lot of this game takes place in the past. Um, you're kind of reliving the experience for a investigator after you've been caught with a heist that's gone wrong. Yeah, I, I don't really know how else to explain the game other than that. It's it's quite a complex game. And like you say, it's between 80 to 100 hours long. So, And what would you say is the Phantom Thieves' ultimate goal? Is to basically make sure that adults around the world are taking their responsibilities as adults seriously and make the world a better place so these people that do have distorted views of themselves or distorted cognitions realize what they do and they fess up to their crimes yeah i would agree with that yeah i think that was as exhaustive as you can be in a two minute period summarizing a 80 an 80 to 100 hour game so that's pretty impressive. Um, okay. Now, I want to get this this bit out of the way now, which makes it sound really appealing, <laughs> and that is our ever-present section, Gameplay is King. So, jumping right into it, is Persona 5 Royal fun? Yes, I'd say it's fun, and it's also very addictive. It's the kind of game where, I think probably quite similar to, I've, I've never played it, but what's the... Um, Damn, what's that game series that came out on the Sega and then recently they brought out the third one? Um, but by oh. Sega in Japan, 80s. Eight, so what's the game about? You play as this guy that wants to find out what happened to his dad. Oh, Shenmue. Shenmue. 
So from my understanding, Shenmue, there's a lot of stuff that you can do to pass the time in the game. Um, a lot of mini games, a lot of side things. And Persona 5 has a similar vein to that. You can get a part-time job. You can go and pass time going to the cinema or reading books or watching films or playing video games or working out or, you know, progressing with the story or killing time in a place called Mementos. And I think to say this game isn't fun would be a lie because there's just so much you can do in it. There's something for everyone. And really, this game is driven by a story. You can't progress um, or do too much with the calendar system if you're not progressing with the story at the same time. But there's something for you to do and there's different activities that you can take part in or confidant levels to build with your with your teammates and other people so yeah I'd, I'd say it's fun I, I had a lot of fun with it what about yourself when I first played this game when I first played Persona 5 in my mind uh, and this may be part of the reason why I fell off in my mind it was the press x to advance game yeah which was you're either scrolling through lots of dialogue or you're working your way through menus, be it in battle or be it when you're socialising around the town. And I thought there wasn't a lot else to it apart apart from that. I can understand and, that. And in this replay, sometimes that thought did rear its head. Yeah. But I do think there are other things that you can do in this game. I don't think um, the side stuff or the mini games are anywhere near as extensive as something like Yakuza. But um, they're there. And you can play darts. You can um, you can do odd bits here and there. You can do mini games around creating a beef bowl, for example. Mm. Um, so so, that, so there's stuff that you can do there. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the word addictive. This game is very, very, very addictive. I was addicted to this game like I haven't been addicted to a game in a very, very long time. And it got its claws in really deep. And, and this is what I was saying about being in a relationship with Persona 5 Royal, it felt like. Um, and I, I, I was addicted to it. And I suppose the further I get away from it now, um, you start it starts to dull that feeling of addiction. Um, although I still think it's a great game. But yeah, it is fun. And it's addictive. And it is really entertaining. Um, maybe a bit light on the gameplay at times, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. I mean, Persona, Persona 5, it's a massive time sink. You can, I mean, how how many hours did it take for you to complete complete it, do you know? Um, I'd say, because I, I, I said to you, I left my PS4 on for very long periods of time. Um, because I was playing it so quickly, I often ran into the, the issue of my... My controller running out of battery. Yeah. And anyone that's used a PS4 knows how quickly those things run out of battery. Seven minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So every every seven minutes, um, <laughs> I had to plug it back in, go away for a while. But yeah, I'd often, as I said, I was on an annual leave, so I'd often go off and do something else, come back, the controller would be charged. Um, so up. many of my hours were spent, uh, my in-game hours Idle. were spent doing this. Yeah. Yeah, so... I would say maybe between 90 and 100 hours okay. I spent. That's, yeah, that's that's fair enough. I mean, usually when we do this podcast, we look at how long it will take to beat a game on howlongtobeat.com or whatever it is. 
and I think we were both expecting it to be over 100 hours. I mean, I managed it in 72 hours, which is still quite a long time. But we both... You do, you do play games quite fast, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, That's I'm... one thing I've noticed about you. You do, you do play games quite fast. Yeah, I, I kind of blast through them. Um, and then it's exactly the same. We mentioned it again in our Red Dead, 2, um, Red Dead Redemption 2 episode that the first time I played that game, I rushed through it because I wanted to find out how the story ended. But then when we played it for the podcast, which was my second full playthrough, I spent a lot of time just doing other stuff in it because I knew how the story ended. So I just wanted to enjoy it. And that seems to be what I'm doing on this second playthrough of it on my new game plus. Um, but I think it's important to say as well that my time probably would have been a bit longer as would have yours, but we found out that there is an optional yeah. palace that you can just miss and then gets locked off. Um, Which is a shame. It is, but I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going back through this game and I'm planning on platinum, platinuming it, which I never do. I don't really have any platinum trophies other than the really easy ones from like the Telltale games. So, yeah, I mean, in, to, 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 to follow up on the question of it, it's fun, like, I wouldn't go back through a game that's 70 plus hours to try and platinum it if I didn't think it was fun, you know? I think it's fun, but it's about the experience. Yeah, 100%. More than the gameplay. Yes. The experience of going through that story, experiencing those things, um, maybe on your second playthrough, picking up the little nuances and, as you say, platinuming it. And I got 79% of the trophies on this, um, or 78, 79, one of the two. Um, on this first playthrough so I also at some point will be going back and getting the platinum trophy on it yeah. um, as it is in it, it is within reach um, okay so usually for this next next question we say favorite move but since I think that'd be quite a difficult question to answer yeah um, what's your favorite bit of this game is favorite, that the same um, question as favorite palace or is that a separate question we'll come to later it's a separate it's a separate question so uh, i'll give you my example of okay. favorite bit to kind of give you an idea of what i mean yeah. um my favorite bit is with each palace you send out a calling card which is where you notify the person whose palace it is that you will be breaking into the palace stealing their treasure and claiming their heart Take your which heart. then causes them to have a change of hearts which then in turn makes them a better person and when you re-enter the re-enter the palace after uh sending the calling card you get this music that plays every time the one that goes yeah yeah i love that and um so you get this music you're all pumped you're in the final stretch of the palace the palace that you've probably spent the last 10 hours doing you're about to face the boss and it gets you really hyped and I just love that experience of doing that and then completing the palace except for Okamura's palace. Yeah, that one can get in the bin. God, yeah, we'll come to, we'll come to <laughs> so that. That's my, so that's my favourite bit playing this game. Hmm, what's my favourite bit playing this game then? I'd love to say all of it, but that's a very broad answer. Yeah, that's cheating. I think going into the different palaces for the first time and getting a feel for them, because each palace is very different. So you go from the first palace, which is Kamashida, the gym teacher who sees the high school as his castle and he's the king. 
And then the second palace from there is um, an artist called Madarame, who his house is basically an art gallery and it's got this really cool image to it. And I think that my favorite part of the game is exploring the different palaces and not always going to find all of the, the optional extras like the will seeds or all the separate treasures. But just all the all the wheel seeds, and I opened all the chests as well in my playthrough. Well, that, that, that's why <laughs> that's why I got through it a lot faster than you, I suppose. <laughs> um, but I think just the initial exploration of the palaces, I really enjoyed. And to be honest with you, I quite enjoyed the um, the side stuff as well. So building the confidant levels and finding out the story with them, and I'm focusing on the confidence a lot more on this playthrough. But if you had to zone it down to one i'd say the palace exploration because a lot of the designs for those palaces are so cool particularly with the music that goes along with a lot of them yeah there's there's a strategic element to this game where you're kind of getting to know the map of the palace you're you're balancing it within a time limit as well we should mention yeah which which adds adds i mean i i always like when a well-balanced time limit is introduced to a game and my favorite game of all time is majora's mask that game is on a time limit all the time and I think when you balance it nicely, it can add just the right amount of incentive. Yeah. And the strategic element to this game is how much of the palace do you want to do um, in the first day, bearing in mind that your SP will be decreasing if you don't have the items available. And, and that's like magic points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So your SP is your, yeah, it's, it allows you to, to make the magic moves, basically. Um, use your personas yeah so there is this element of strategizing and you can kind of work out how far into the palace you've gotten and how long you've got to go now my my mentality was always getting uh, as much of the palace done as quickly as possible so then i'd have a big stretch of days afterwards to to build my confidence up afterwards yeah build the skills and stuff yeah um speaking of the palaces let's jump straight into this section and so you talked a bit about the, the first and second palace now we're both going to go through and name our palaces the order of worst to best and i know we're not going to entirely agree on this but i think it's interesting just to see what we take away from the palaces so with that would you like to go first um you go first because i haven't got the palaces in front of me so <laughs> Because I'm unprepared, so you go first. So my weakest palace, probably to no one's surprise who's played the game, is Okamura's Palace in the spaceport. And yeah. the reason being, I found it quite generic, a bit sterile. Um, I found usually the palaces introduce some design element, which is quite interesting. But in Okamura's Palace, you've just got some warp things and they can yeah. get a bit annoying. And then the boss. <laughs> so so bad. So in Persona 5, from what I've heard, um, anyone that made it to Okamura, they had quite an easy um, ride in the original game. So what the developers did with the uh, Persona 5 Royal was that they amped up everything. And most people hit a brick wall when they come to Okamura's palace because there's a certain very particular strategy that you've got to use that you've probably never used before that I don't think is that well introduced and you may not have the items to do it properly. 
um, which I ran into and I had to then leave the palace. I had to reset from several days earlier and build myself up in terms of um, preparing myself and then go back in and do Okamura's palace. So for me, absolutely the worst palace without a doubt. Second worst palace would be Kamishida's palace, which is unfortunately the first palace. So if you play that one and you think, oh, mm, this is not great. Um, it doesn't. It's not a bad palace. It's just quite bland, isn't it? Yeah, it's just really generic castle stuff, and it's all dark, and it's certainly not the bright and impressive stuff no. that you see later on. Um, so yeah, Kamashidas would be second, and I don't think it makes the best first impression. So second worst. Um, third worst would be Kanashiro's Bank. Um, I didn't mind this. I thought. It was going to be better than it was. Um, the security with the security cameras annoyed me a little bit. And it felt a bit repetitive as well. Now, bang in the middle of my palace's list would be um, nice uh, Sai Nijima's casino. The casino. Yeah. Which is where you start the game. Yeah, and the reason for that is there are some really great areas within the casino. But for every great area, there's an annoying back room that you have to traverse. Yeah, there's so many back corridors in that place, which is a shame. Yeah, so you've got this greatness of some of the rooms and it gets dragged back by these back rooms, mm. which are totally uninteresting and yeah. not fun to explore. So yeah, that, that lands right in the middle. Um, my third favourite, now we're, in the, we're into the top three, is one that I know that you loved, which is Madarame's Palace. Yeah. Which is the uh, the art gallery slash museum, and this is the first time playing the game that I thought, wow, this is really impressive. They can do anything with these palaces, you know. They can the take art me... style really pops. Yeah, they can take me anywhere, and I can really expect something surprising with these palaces. And I think the best palaces in this game are the ones that are really imaginative, and they just throw things at you that you don't expect. And this was one of yeah. those. And it was enjoyable, really, from start to finish. Um, mm. Second favourite is Shido's ship, which is the final palace. And this level has so much potential and it, it, it achieves so much in so many ways, but in a couple of ways just falls short. Um, the music in that palace is amazing, though. Brilliant, yeah. I love, love the music. Love the fact that you're on this river floating through Tokyo or Japan on this ship. I think this palace represents the person's motives the most. And I think the visualisation of Shido's uh, inner workings is really impressive. So I love, I love the way that it looks. I love the fact that you're tra traversing all the different decks. Um really spoilt for me by the tedious mouse sections yeah. <laughs> um, where you turn into a mouse you lose all your powers and you have to find annoying ways around um, it would have been okay if there was just one but it kind of repeats and plays on this idea a bit too much but doesn't really refresh the idea in any way um, so that's uh, Shido's Palace and my number one palace is um, Futaba's pyramid and 
when in the game you've got a cutscene where they're driving up to the pyramid and I thought in my head they're not actually going to have an Egyptian pyramid are they I mean this is a Japanese game and I didn't really expect it and then the first impression you get of the pyramid is when you're standing outside you can see a town off to the right and you've got this great big pyramid in front of you and I just thought they actually did it they actually went with this idea of the pyramid and you don't really see Egypt portrayed much in video games so I thought well this is quite a nice surprise and then it's not a very long palace which I like I like it for and I think there's some really good design in there as well I don't think this game generally speaking has the best gameplay design but I think the most interesting design lies within this palace and there are also several nods to if you, if you like the Indiana Jones films or anything like that or the mummy films yeah. there are nods to those films within there so at one point you're leaping on the giant boulders um, to get across a room um, so yeah this this was my favourite uh, I think mainly because it surprised me the most so that was my number one so how about you have you managed to organise your palaces yet? yes you, you've also missed one as well I don't know if you would class it as a palace you're talking or about not. Mementos yeah uh, but not Mementos as a whole. Mementos at the end game. The end, I would put that right at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I know. You didn't like that one, no. did you? So mine would be same as yours. Oh, actually, no, not same as yours in last place now. So Akuma's Palace. Um, that was the part of the game that I almost just fell off because I think I tried to, uh, to beat Okumura in the final battle there about five times it was the fifth time that I managed to do it because it's just so convoluted and I believe that it's because in per uh, Persona 5 before they re-released it as Royal it was classed as very easy and people complained about it I think so they just yeah it, it was bad and friend of the podcast um, Chris I believe is currently on this palace and I don't know if he'll have listened to this before he does it but I've told him that if he gets stuck to just let me know exactly the same as what you said to me when I got to it because it's just you need a you need a strategy to go into that can one. Can I just uh, weigh in there as well so when I first got to the boss of Okamura's palace I thought oh they're going to reuse the enemy trick that they've already used earlier and I thought oh this is really not interesting compared to some of the other more exciting bosses you face earlier on. And yeah. then I realised what it was. And then I thought, oh, what the hell is this? But With a 30-minute time limit. Is it? No, it's 20 minutes. No, it's 30. 30-minute 30 time limit. Yeah, 30 minutes. And you have to beat all the rounds of enemies within two goes each. So, and, and, it, and it made me think. Bad. It made me think of the original game. If I came across, if I came to that boss in the original game, I think I'd have been really underwhelmed. Without those yeah. caveats, like to make it tougher, so yeah. you can understand why they did it, but at the yeah, same time, I think they made the wrong decision. <laughs> yeah, and me, hundred um, percent. So from there, uh, so at number eight, Okuma's Palace. Then at number seven is actually your favourite, Futaba's Palace. Um, I remember saying to you at the time that I didn't really, didn't really vibe with it. It wasn't really my jam. Uh, I thought it was good and that's the thing about this game I don't think any of the palaces are bad but I don't know I, I just didn't really vibe with it I'm not a big fan of like ancient Egypt and all that kind of stuff it kind of turns me off in terms of when I'm trying to focus on something so yeah 
and plus Futaba as a character is probably one of my least favourite. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, Futaba, and then I'd probably say the Final Palace um, at number six with Mementos. It was fine, but just a bit underwhelming for where it was in the game. I'd then probably say Kanashiro's Bank, just because that one was a bit run-of-the-mill, I think. Um, again, fine, but nothing special. After that, I would say probably Shido's Palace. And I did like Shido's Palace and the music in it was some of the best music in the game. And a lot of big plot elements happen in Shido's Palace, particularly with um, Goro Akechi. And I really like that element of it. But the whole vibe with the mouse thing, same as what you said, it just did my head in a little bit. And yeah, wasn't, wasn't too sure about that. But the the boss there was good, Shido himself, and I, I really like the the whole story arc of Shido being the case that he was the person that originally got Joker arrested, and you go back and he remembers you. I, I quite liked that element of it, but yeah, as a palace, hit and miss. I'd then say probably, probably Kamashida's palace. I thought it was fine. It was it was good, but. I, I quite enjoyed the whole character of Kamashida. I thought it was quite interesting. I'd then go probably Sinejima's Casino. I really wanted to like it a lot more than I did, but I still thought it was cool. The The casino area is made up for the back room and back corridors. Um, and then from there, I'd probably say that my number one was Madarame's Palace, just because I think after the, the dank and dark Kamashida's Castle going into Madarame's art gallery... I thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed that a lot. And, you know, you, you pick up Yusuke in, um, in Madarame's palace and he was one of my main party. So, yeah, quite quite different from your list, I, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think you, you, you've got more of an emphasis on the characters, whose yeah. palaces they were, um, which, which is fine. And speaking of the characters... Um, so, any standout heroes for you that you really liked of the, the yeah, cast of I, heroes? I, re I really like Joker, but that's because he's he's an everyman, really, isn't he? You, you kind of answer his questions as you want to. You know, you've got choices, so you, he becomes the face of you, same as Link or whatever. He's the, the kind of the silent protagonist in a way. And we'll come back to um, that later on. But I think, my because you, you changed up your... Your, your party quite a lot didn't you throughout the game no i didn't I, I, I had the same party ever since um so basically when when i got makoto uh, my party was makoto ryuji morgana and joker and it was steadily that for the whole game basically right and obviously we, we have to switch up every now and then for some some battles yeah unless it's forced but i mean yeah i mean my 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 party was joker obviously then on because i thought she was quite good she was pretty powerful particularly when you get a higher level fire damage uh yusuke even though i hated his persona outfit looks stupid um but yusuke was probably one of the fox. most powerful yeah fox he, he was one of the most powerful um melee people like one of the hardest hitters and then 
I kind of switched out depending on what I needed, but it was usually Makoto in my party as well. So not, well, I was about to say not too dissimilar from yours, but actually it is because we only share Makoto yeah. Joker. Um, but yeah, I I couldn't two timing Makoto and and Arn are you? Yes, I was. Um, <laughs> but I, I think in terms of the characters, they all bring something to the table, and Morgana, the talking cat and Ryuji were two of my least favourite characters. Ryuji because he just did my head in yeah. and he was over the top and annoying. And Morgana because I'd be wanting to do stuff and I'd be like, oh, okay, I've done this. I'm going to go out for the evening and go and do something. No, we should go to bed. Like, no, you're a cat. Shut up. I think, Mor- I mean, I didn't mind Morgana, but I think in terms of that, she's kind of a necessary evil in that yeah. there needs to be that narratorial figure and if she wasn't saying that, it would be Joker saying it himself. Um, yeah, for sure. And I know that as you progress through the game and with the confidence, I think it's if you get the higher confidant level for... Um, is it Kawakame? Um, the teacher, who's also the maid, Becky. Um, if you get her confidant level high enough, you can then start going out in the evenings and doing activities after you've been to Memento, so after you've been to a palace. Um, but I think you have to get her confidant level quite high. Right, I didn't know that, so that's interesting. I got hers to about mm. six or seven, I think. Yeah, I got hers to about seven or eight, and then I managed to lock myself out of it because that one was a time-sensitive one as well. But yeah, standouts on Makoto, Yusuke, and Joker, obviously. Like Haru, she's just kind of joins too late. She, yeah, she joins too late, and she's very quiet. Yeah, and same as, even though she isn't really in your party, she joins you for a little bit of Kasumi. I like her. I did like her. I thought she made an impression in the brief amount of screen time she had. Yeah, just a shame that she wasn't utilised more. But because she was in addition to Persona 5 Royal, they couldn't really put her into the whole game, could they? Yeah, she could only interfere in the parts that didn't really, that weren't really big plot parts. Precisely. Yeah. What about you? Well... I didn't like Arn. <laughs> I found her... Uh, the two characters that I found really annoying were Arn and Ryuji. I mm. think Arn started okay. Um, she seemed quite... She a good arc at the start. Yeah, she had a really good arc at the start. And I thought, okay, I, she's she's an interesting character. But after Kamashida, her arc just stops. And then she becomes this person who always speaks in this really annoying high-pitched voice kind of like ryuji yeah and i it just really really annoyed me so i just found them both really shallow they seem to be the shallow uh, jokers of the team um and yeah i just think i mean i know that initially you really liked Arn, and Mm. you 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 ended up in a relationship with Arn in the game and yeah I much, much preferred Makoto. I thought Makoto had so much more depth, was so much more interesting. Um, and as we'll probably get onto shortly, I really wasn't a fan of how sexualized Arm was. Yeah, like it's, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think that's a, that's a Japanese game thing, isn't it? Because, you know, the East is a lot different to us in terms of what, people would deem as acceptable i think um which is a different conversation itself and i, I know that you want to touch on that a bit later but I, I i agree with you like arn is 
she, she she's got her arc at the start which is really good how she feels responsible for her friend trying to commit suicide and it, it comes around quite well particularly when you beat uh, Kamashida and how passionate she is about that but it then just becomes you know very obviously like revealing camera shots and the fact that you know that's a big focus of her character and whenever you're in ducks she's like hey don't don't look up at ryuji and things like that you know and then there's it's, it's, there's um her you know you know you get the um like the tag team moves that you get yeah and hers with morgana it just makes yeah. me cringe every time so i just kept skipping it um yeah yeah it's yeah, and I, I know what you mean. I really like those Showtime moves. I, I like them generally, yeah. but that one just made me cringe every single time. Yeah, some very suggestive shots. Yeah. Uh, and her character is funny because um, you think, uh, to begin with, I mean, she's obviously, all these characters are kind of based on stereotypes, as with yeah. many Japanese RPGs. They, they start off as that, but they become more than that. And you start to think very quickly, okay, she is more than this. But then I got to a point in the game where I thought, no, she's not. No, she's not more than this. And then, yeah, I just, I didn't even get a confidant level to 10 in the end. I got to about seven or eight. And then, uh, yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, she just didn't didn't strike a chord with me. And, and Ryuji, half the time, I just wanted to kick him. Yeah, he's incredibly irritating. That's why I couldn't have him in my party too much. Cause he just wound me up. Uh, um, and there are nice moments with these characters because I did get Ryuji's confidence level to 10. Yeah. And there are nice moments with it, but I just don't think it does enough to pull back. No, I know what you mean. So um, how about villains? Any standout villains for you? Or does it tie in with your palaces? It kind of ties in with the palaces, I think. I mean, Kanashiro, I thought, was a bit lame. Yeah, me too. The gangster. Shido was great. Shido I really like, yeah. I really like Kamashida's character as well. Yeah. Madarame, even though it was my favourite palace, was he was a bit weak. He was a bit, yeah. He's quite forgettable. Yeah. And I mean, I I I finished Madarame's palace again uh, last night or the night before, and I'm breezing through it anyway because I've got my in-game weapons. But that was an incredibly easy fight. Um. So Madarame didn't really stand out, but I think. Really, the showstopper in terms of the the villains, because you know there there are so many, but it's got to be a catchy, and I think I say that because even when he was on your side, because the just for anyone who slimy, hasn't played the game, he? yeah, he's very slimy, and for anyone who hasn't played the game, it's it's quite a similar story to um I I think I can compare it to Final Fantasy Nine, that you've got the two that are sent to balance out the world. You've got Zidane from Final Fantasy IX and then, um, I can't remember, the the antagonist in Final Fantasy Do you remember his name? <laughs> the one who wears skimpy, skimpy clothing, I remember. Yeah, that. yeah. But they, they were they were supposedly um, like kind of brothers, weren't they? Yeah. And one was there to bring light and the other was to bring dark and that's the exact same story of Joker and Akechi. And even when Akechi's on your side because he double crosses you and he turns out to be insane, he he just annoyed me. And I found him, like you say, very slimy. But at the same time, 
when you're inside Nijima's um, casino in the palace, he was in my party and I, I invested quite a bit of time into Akechi because he was quite a powerful character. But then it's obvious why that is, is because he's the equivalent of Joker, but bad. And I really like what they did with Akechi um, towards the end of Shido's palace and his kind of end game. And yeah, I, I felt that Akechi was... I felt the opposite not, about Akechi's. I, 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 I agree with you. I think he's a really strong, easily hateable villain. Yeah. But there's a section towards the end of Shido's palace where they try to redeem him. Yeah. And they say, oh, oh, maybe... Come with us anyway. Yeah, or and or maybe if we'd have uh, grown up in that environment, we'd be like that. But please don't forget, he is a murdering mind-stealing awful person who tried to kill joker and who stole the minds of innocent people so i am absolutely not feeling any remorse for him yeah no that's un that's understandable really annoying. I, I don't think i felt i don't think i felt remorse for a catchy i just i don't know I, I just think he was quite a well written villain and you 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 knew that it was him yeah. quite early on you worked out he was the guy with the red um not with the red because of his skinny legs Batman. um <laughs> yeah the, the i described the him as hood. kermit the frog legs <laughs> yeah you you worked out very early whereas i didn't um i thought that potentially the person in the black hood could have been mishima um or i can't remember who else i suggested so when it was a catchy i was like oh okay and then when you find out all this stuff about him from Igor in the Velvet Room that you and Akechi are supposed to be equals. I really liked that. Um, so yeah, Akechi really stood out for me and I, I really liked him as a villain. I'm looking forward to coming across him again this time to um, kind of pick up on things that maybe I missed the first time round because I think he's a very interesting character. Do you think the story gets a bit soapy at times in a bit... Um, and... Shido turns out to be a catchy's dad. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was predictable because I didn't predict it, but it's very cliche, isn't it? Yeah, just just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> no, of course. Um, okay, so I think generally speaking, we've been quite positive so far. I think we both very much enjoyed the game, um, but I think we've got to touch on some of the more negative aspects. We've also all, already um, mentioned the sexualization. And yeah. I think um, the other thing that is a common criticism of this game is the handling of its themes. Um, so, for example, towards the beginning of the game, there's a character that tries to commit suicide. And yeah, and I just found the way they handled that really, really clumsy and really heavy handed. And... There are other ones throughout the game. Um, you've got Madarame who's stealing his... It kind of feels like it diminishes these quite serious things. You've got Madarame who's the teacher that's counterfeiting uh, and uh, stealing his um, artist's work, but also turns out to be a murderer. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, it just... It, I, I feel like... It's, it's one of the things people say people a lot of people prefer persona 4 and they say that the way that persona 4 handles the themes is a bit more mature 
than the, than the way that Persona 5 does. I think Persona 5 gets a guttural reaction out of you. It presents things in a way that really do. I mean, it makes you hate Kamoshida. But at the same time, I always knew that my emotions were being manipulated. I didn't feel like yeah. it was subtle. I felt like, again, it all felt a bit soapy. It's kind of like, you know when these issues are being presented in a soap and they're not quite doing them justice and then you get that that, that message at the end. If you've been affected by yeah, uh, please call this number. That's what it kind of felt like to me. Um, it's just something that every now and again would pull me out of the experience. It was by no means ruined the game for me or anything like that. But just every now and again, I just thought, other games do this better. And I would like a Persona game in future to do these these things a bit better. I think a lot of it is because of where the game's from. And Japan is a vastly different market to over here in the West. And obviously they they Westify a lot of their 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 exports these days. But at the same time, Japan is a very different place from from us and how they do drama and how they do you know the fact that in this game you can date pretty much all the women at the same time which, and which you did i i dated Ann and makoto and i tried to date the teacher as well but i got locked out of it but the fact that you can like joker's 16 and he can date his teacher who's like in her yeah i found that such a weird storyline and the her. fact that you can also date futaba as well and Futaba is supposed to be about 14. And the which doctor. Obviously, yeah, and the doctor. And I, th- I think it's very much a culturally different thing because over here, the, obviously it's it's a thing because you and me are talking about it. It's not, it isn't something that we come across that often. Whereas, I mean, I've never been to Japan. I'm super interested in Japanese culture and going to Tokyo is my number one destination that I want to visit. Um, and you know a lot more about Asian culture than I do because you lived in Vietnam for a few years. But I think that the, the way that we view it in the West is very different to how you know the Japanese market would view this game, I think. Yeah. This game is almost presented as a fantasy. So if yeah. you were Joker and you were um, in Joker's shoes, you could be wanted your teacher... Mm. Um, the doctor, yeah. um, the person that plays shogi at the local church, whoever it is, you can yes. woo all of them, and you can date them all at the same time. It might come back to bite you, but you can you can do it. Um, and I think I I don't know though because I I play the Yakuza games as well. I really like the Yakuza games, and I feel like there's a there's a lot more of a knowing wink, a lot more tongue in cheek with those. So they have those things. But it's always almost like self-ridicule or parody. Um, it never takes itself too seriously. Whereas I think sometimes... I think with Yakuza though, I've, I've not played any of the Yakuza games. So I've, I'm talking from a bit of an ignorant standpoint. But with Yakuza, I've always had the impression that it's not the same kind of, of level as like Saints Row. But no, it isn't it's something not. that takes itself, it's, it's, itself too seriously. Uh, it's it's not... If you were... I feel it's been westified a bit. I don't. You know I, I don't mean? think they, they it has. It, I think it's been. Western I, audiences I, I, love it. If if you compare Yakuza to anything, it is something like Shenmue. Um, it's that right freedom. You can you can 
I mean, there's so much side stuff to do in the Yakuza games, but it balances this humour that it's got with quite serious storylines. So it okay. will surprise you. It's very dramatic at times. And I would say I would never compare it to Saints Row because that's completely farcical. Um, I would compare it to one of the better GTA games or Red Dead Redemption or something like that. Okay. I think it gets a much nicer yeah. balance. And unlike the Persona games, it took a very long time for them to localize a lot of the Yakuza games. They were very, very much for a Japanese audience. Yeah. So that's just my uh, comparison to that. No, that's fair enough. I'll be interested to get my my thoughts on it after we've played it because I know that one of the the Yakuza yeah. games is going to be in your and I haven't decided which one yet. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually replaying them at the moment, so <laughs> I'm obviously coming at this very fresh from the. This game yeah, made me want to play Yakuza because the thing that they have in common is that they're both very, very Japanese and, and I love that about them. Um, yeah. Yeah, i just say that it wasn't anything to detract from the game majorly, but it's one of the things that occasionally would pull my attention away from it, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair comment. Okay. Now, we've gone this far and we have not mentioned the... And I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw these at you, and feel free to say what you want about any slash all of them, visuals, right. art style, audio, soundtrack. It's it, it kind of all lumps into one, doesn't it? Like the visuals and the the graphics of it. It's it's not quite cell shaded. I I don't know how you describe the the visuals of this game. It's it it very much pops. I'd say like an anime aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair enough. Like, if if you're into anime and stuff, which I know a lot of people are, then you, you'd appreciate the art style of this game. And I really like the look of it. I think it looks very crisp. Um, and on the PS4 Pro, I think it, it, it does really shine. I'm I'm interested to see what it looks like on the PS5. It probably won't look too different. It'll look but I identical, think... basically. Unless they release a patch for it, it'll look Ah, identical. yeah, it's all about the patches, isn't yeah. it? Um, but I think the the look of it is fantastic and it stands out. But one of the biggest um, things about this game is the soundtrack, and the entire OST is on Spotify. And I was listening to it a little bit today because the music is just that good. Yeah, it's one of I mean I've, I've said this about five times on this podcast, but it's one of the best soundtracks in a game I've heard. It's it's really, really stand out. And you listen to these tracks a lot. They get repeated a lot through the game. They never, ever but get old. They never get yeah, dull. Never. Yeah. yeah I, I adore this soundtrack. And it's not the usual soundtrack that I enjoy. It's very upbeat at times. Uh, a lot of the songs have yeah. words to them. And I think it's brilliant. Um, I would listen to this outside. Um, and I have done a couple of times. And I think it's... This is going to be a bold statement. I think it's the best soundtrack of any of the games on the list that we've played so far. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's perfect for this game. It's definitely up there. It's just, it's just perfect for this game. I mean, you couldn't. I don't know what you'd add to it, how you'd improve it. Um, visuals, I, I, I love the art style. I love like the loading screens and just the way that everything is presented. It's so punchy, so it, everything pops. And those, um, there's like uh, the little graphics that come up after you've beaten, um, beaten like a like a normal battle or something, 
and if like um, Yusuke or something is, is hit the final blow you'll get like a little graphic of, of him do you, you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about like I the, really like those because each character's got their own one yeah um, like Morgana's one was her sitting in a chair, in a chair yeah, with a cigar with a monocle yeah like really bizarre but it's just stuff like that that really adds the sprinkling on top of it it's just it's just brilliant this game could be it's, it's just very it's, well designed art style is again it's just absolutely stunning now I think if you're talking yeah. about raw polygons and pixels um, this was originally a PS3 game but in terms of art style yeah, there are cool. not many games that could even be on par with it um, so yeah it really is in terms of those things fantastic okay what what do you think about the voice acting it's pretty good they're, they're, so, some characters are better than others and some characters are really great on you because uh, it, it's it's mostly voiced this game but not all of it so like you'll hear Ryuji say something like what was that like when he gets annoyed and they use that like a lot and it gets old but the voice acting overall was good I wish we could have heard a bit more of Joker because Joker's voiced as well but like minimal like it's not much at all and I'd be interested I've not done it for this playthrough but I'd be interested to play a little bit of the game with the original Japanese um, sound for the voices to see how they compare obviously I don't speak Japanese so I'd have to have the subtitles on but I think as a rule each voice suited the character quite well. Um, I think you'd be surprised yeah. about, like, Yakuza games. Only recently have they started localising them again. When they, re- yeah. uh, when they released Yakuza 1 in the West, um, they had an all-star American cast. But obviously Yakuza 1 didn't do very well in the West, so we didn't get another Yakuza game for a very long time. Um, I think we got Yakuza 2. And eventually, through eventually they all came, but um, one was the only one that was westernized until I think the, the most recent one. Um, so I've been used to the Japanese voice cast for Yakuza for a very long time, and I I'm so used to it. Like they all sound unique, and they there's something about hearing the Japanese voiceover an even more Japanese game than Persona, um, and I I love the Japanese voice cast to the point where. I didn't. I, I just completed the new game recently, the new Yakuza game, and I didn't want to play it with the Western voice. I, I so I switched on the Japanese voices. Maybe I'll trial the English voices just to see how well they do. Apparently, they're pretty good. But um, yeah, I, I love the the Japanese uh, voice acting, and and I would try it for this as well. Um, you mentioned, and this is a perfect transition. Imperfect transitions usually. <laughs> usually clumsy and heavy-handed. Sometimes, like this game is quite. Um, so you mentioned that you wish that Joker had spoken a bit more. So my question of the week mm. is actually about that. Um, okay. So the way I phrased it, and I've got to got to repeat the way that I've written it down, is silent protagonist, yay or nay? And in plain English, should Joker talk more? That's my question to you. I think so, yeah, because he isn't. A, he's kind of a silent protagonist, but at the same time, he isn't. Like he'll occasionally say bits and bobs, and I think the the voice that they use for Joker is very apt. Like it suits him, and it's a shame that he didn't have more to say. But I think the reason they did it that way is because they want him to be the everyman that you can project your own stuff onto him. But I don't think it would have hurt because you have options of what to say anyway throughout the game. 
So I think if they'd have, you know, put a bit more in terms of the voice acting for Joker, I don't think it would have taken anything away from it because you choose what he says. So as long as everything's recorded, same as what they did for Fallout 4, which the the dialogue options in Fallout 4 are pretty dire, but here they worked. So I, I don't think it would have been an issue if they'd have just um, added a few more recorded lines of dialogue for him. So I think more of it would have been good. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, one of the things that pulled me out every now and again was everyone referring to the character as him um in in dialogue it's like yeah they, it's like they were allergic to saying his name which obviously is understandable because mm. you've named him so they they don't know yeah they don't know the word for that um but also sometimes it felt like they were all having conversations without you and even in the intimate moments say you're on a date with makoto because um you've selected her as your love interest and you're having a nice date and Makoto's having a nice conversation, one-sided. <laughs> it, it, it's just strange sometimes. Yeah, some, sometimes it works. Sometimes I'm thinking, right, if you, if you think about this, either Joker's a psychopath or she's a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the two. Yeah, and, and it's just really odd. Sometimes you catch yourself and you just think, this is really weird. Um, yeah, so, I agree. So when it's not doing that to you, it's fine. But it does do that to you quite often. And as you say, Joker's not a silent protagonist, he's a quiet protagonist. And yeah. it's something that Japanese games do a lot. They'll have a protagonist that will maybe have battle cries, that will maybe um, speak whilst doing sub um sub quests or anything like that but for the main quest will not speak at all and it goes back to this idea that um as with link it's the link between the player and the character and it allows you to kind of mold that character to whatever you want them to be in your mind but as you say you make the decisions for joker throughout the game um i suppose the only thing that could go against it Sometimes when you you make a decision and you pick some text you want to say, um, you may hear it one way in your head, and then when the character actually says it, it's completely not like that. Um, so there are always arguments to uh, for or against silent protagonists, but yeah, I do agree that in, in this case it wouldn't have hurt. Yeah, I think Joker's quite a defined character as, as it is enough yeah. to be a Smash character. Um, mm. so I feel like I think what it was was before I played Persona 5 Royal I expected him to talk more and when you expect someone to talk more and they're, they're, they're barely speaking and they're actually making you think they're less of a defined character and then you've got these what I'll call psychopath conversations um, it can get really strange and and just drag you kicking and screaming out of the experience yeah I get what you mean Okay, that was the question of the week. Um, and we both agree that Joku could have Please talk talked more. more. I'd be interested um, to see if he does in Strikers, actually. Because obviously Persona yeah, 5 Strikers I, has just come out, and I'm not sure what... Well, I don't really know much about that game, to be honest with you. I've not really watched too much of it, so I'd be interested to see if they've given him a bit more of a, a voice. I imagine it's similar, but... Probably. But I'd be interested... You'd never know. I would like to play it at some point to yeah, have a go. I th- I th- I'll probably get it on Switch. I really hope that this game comes out on Switch as well because it's the perfect game for it. 
yeah, I, I, I would I would like to come, it also to come to Switch, but um, I'm I'm not hopeful anymore. No, I've given up hope. Um, yeah. Okay, so Persona Five Royal released in 2020 with a score of 95, number 44 on our list. Did the critics get it right? Yeah. Um, I think if you've listened, if you've listened to this podcast up to this point, you know our feelings on it. Um, I don't know any other games that Atlas have made, um, so I can't compare it to any of their other games because I've not played any of the. They made Catherine games. as well. That was another one that they did fairly recently. Oh, uh, I've heard I've heard good stuff about that. Uh, I feel it's weird. It is weird. But... I've completed it a couple of times, and there's there's um, again problems with themes and sexualization yeah. there as well. Shock. Um, <laughs> But it's not like yeah, that, is I it? Mean, <laughs> we've we've practically spoiled this game for yes. you if you've not played it. And the story is a big element of this game. But I think as well as that, the gameplay and the experience of the palaces and the exploration and just doing things as you want to do them throughout the calendar year and focusing on the stuff you want to focus on is a draw a draw enough. So I think the critics got it right. I think this is a fantastic game. And looking back over everything we've done bar maybe red dead redemption 2 because that's probably one of my favorite games ever now i'd say this is probably my favorite game that we've covered up to this point i think i might have said that a couple of times for a few of the other games but this overtakes well, you them said now. what about mgs yeah mgs that was in my i put that in my top three didn't i you put that in top two i think top two yeah so that metal gear solid is you know, in that position for me. It's something that I hold dear to me, but at the same time, I've played that game a million times before. And so I've, you'd rather play this? I've walked away from this, and I won't say this is in my top five favourite games I've ever played, because I, I don't think it would be, but this is my favourite game, and I've had the most fun with this game for this podcast because all of the games that we've played previously that I've said yeah this is one of my favourite games they're games that I've played before whereas this was completely new so this was a new experience and I I really enjoyed it and I'd recommend it to you know to anyone it's there's there's something for most people in this game I think yeah what about you did the critics get it right yes they did um and and I feel like I'm I've been playing devil's advocate a lot during this conversation, um, just trying to for balance discuss yeah discuss what it doesn't do so well as well as what it, as well as what it does well, um, but when I first completed this, as I said, I binge played it. I was addicted for those two weeks, and I came away from it thinking, this is in my top twenty games that I've ever played. And I think it still is. I think as time passes, obviously that feeling of addiction and that feeling of binge playing it is going away. Um, that emotional connection maybe is going away a bit, but I think it deserves to be up there and I would probably place it in my top 20. Um, I hadn't experienced anything like the binge playing addiction that I had with this game for years before um it'd been some time since i felt that with a game and 
it may not be the best game that I've played on the list so far, but it was the biggest surprise because if you remember, both of us were kind of apprehensive to say the least about going into this game. Yeah. Um, it's a big game. We knew it was a big game. Probably the longest game on this list. Um, so we used it as a kind of, oh, Persona 5, we've got to play that, when we were talking about it before then. But then we both played it really, really, really pleasantly surprised. And although we've spoiled some of the some of the big plot elements, there are so many nuances in there that are worth experiencing. This game is the ultimate game to play um, as living an alternate life. It kind of taps into that kind of thing that The Sims did right all those years ago. Yeah, you become this Japanese student going through school and. There's a reason why so many games allow you to um, to redo school, so to speak. Um, Canis Canamedit slash Bully mm. and so many others because a lot of people have a fondness for remembering when they were in school. Definitely. So these games give you an opportunity to play that again. I was going to say To make that. those decisions. This, this game made me want to go back to being a student, you know? Yeah. And, and to be either the nerdy kid or the popular kid or the outsider or whatever it is. Yeah. And it helps you to feel those things also to come to terms with those feelings of being a student. And it is, it's a special game. It really is a special game. And I think the negatives that are there, they're more niggles. I mean, there are some more serious than that, but I think overall they don't diminish the experience. Um, you kind of have to accept those negative things, but it is really, really, really a, a roller coaster ride to play. And I don't know if it's for everyone. I don't think it is for everyone. But if you do like your, if you like Japan, if you like your RPGs, if you like long games, even if you don't like long games, give it a try. Um, and I think you will be surprised. Yeah, that's my summary. Yeah, I'd agree. It's it's something to go into with an open mind, and it might just kind of, yeah, it might just take you by surprise. I think so. Yeah, I've I've really I've really enjoyed this game big time. It's been a pleasure playing this game, and not all of the games are always amazing that we play on this list, but this one's been up there for me. Yeah, completely agree. Okay, so that was Persona Five Royal, and what do we have coming up next? I believe coming up next, we are going to be playing a PS1 game. I think we're going to be playing um, Gran Turismo, are we not? We are, yeah. I'm quite excited to play something just a bit different, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we've been, uh, I feel like we've been playing lots of either big or similar games recently. So it'd be nice just to play something a bit lighter. So as usual, you can find us in all of the places. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email us at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. If you've liked this episode or if you think that you know someone else that might enjoy it that's played this game, then please share it. If you enjoy listening to us, please consider following, subscribing or whatever it is you can do on your, your platform. And yeah. I think that's all I've got to say for this week. How about you? Also, in case Ross is listening, shout out to Ross, uh, who listened to the podcast recently. Excellent. Uh, one, one of my friends, yeah. 
Well, there you we go. hope you enjoy it, Ross. We'll see you next time for Gran Turismo. And in the meantime, cheerio and take care. See you on the next one.